Welcome to Welcome to Oradon. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is part three of our Descendants podcast. Yes, we did parts one and two last week and the week before. So if you haven't heard that, you should hop back to our feed and listen to those. We are talking about the Disney Channel original movie, The Descendants. So as we left it off last time, Mal has used magic to enchant Ben into becoming her boyfriend, who she's not kissing because Mal respects consent, I guess. Mal respects consent when it comes to bodily autonomy, just not when it comes to getting close to a person so that she can steal the fairy godmother's magic wand because her mother told her to because she is an A-plus mom pleaser. Also, she needs the wand to free her mother and, to a lesser degree, the other villains from the Isle of the Lost, which is where all the villains got shoved after the end of the Disney movies, even though a bunch of them were dead by then, but whatever. Well, apparently, I guess you don't die from falling in the Disney universe. Or being impaled or having a giant rock, you know, shoved onto you. Who died by having a giant rock shoved onto them? The Evil Queen. Oh. The dwarf shove a giant boulder onto her. Gosh, I don't remember the end of the Disney movie Snow White, because I probably haven't seen it since I was, like, five. There's a reason for that. It's not very good. But yeah, they shove a a boulder off a cliff and it smooshes her. Okay, I have to say something. Okay. I am an adult woman. I am closer to 40 than to 30. But the Snow White ride at Disney World is legit scary. It's horrifying. I haven't been to Disney World since I was, like... 13 so i couldn't tell you it's so scary okay let's get into this so mal and ben are going to be going on a date and evie is getting mal glammed up for it it's really i know this is just a being a woman in society thing but it's so bizarre to see someone putting makeup on someone who very clearly already has a lot of makeup on them well i think we could assume that she's been brushing this blush onto her for like 10 minutes it just, it reminds me of those uh, commercials for lady razors where it's a woman who's shaving her already smooth legs with a razor. Oh, or an even worse one that I just saw recently where there was cartoon hair drawn onto the leg. Jesus Christ. It's true though, Evie is putting a lot of makeup on Mal, but she's wearing heavy makeup the whole movie anyway because that's the aesthetic of the movie Mm. but we're meant to believe that this is the first time she's actually put makeup on i guess yeah she's like my mother never taught me about makeup okay pause up maleficent never gave you makeup tips okay whatever maybe maleficent's face is just naturally like that or maybe she hoards all the makeup tips to herself hmm Mal also says that she never had a sister, and Evie's like, well, you have one now, which is sweet, and I love it. But they already had this relationship before. You know, I think that they didn't get to be vulnerable with each other when they were living on the Isle of the Lost, because so much was about a fight for survival. Now that they're able to relax for, like, a second, they can be vulnerable enough to care about, perhaps even love each other. I do like that Evie Evie asks Mal, are you afraid of your mom? And Mal's like, I'm afraid I'll disappoint her. Yeah, just so that you know that this isn't, that this isn't abuse. This is just the desire to people please that is forced onto, oh, so many people. Yeah, I I think Maleficent had more of a neglectful relationship with Mal than an outright malicious one. Well, and that's what's going to make you turn into a people pleaser because those love kernels are so rare and so 
few and and so far so few and far between that of course you're going to turn into a people pleaser a lot of crazy ex-girlfriend references in this episode just saying you know i think this is a thing that a lot of us feel though i know i've spent most of my 30s trying to break out of being a people pleaser Mm. so mal looks at herself in the mirror and she's like i look not hideous and Evie wraps her arms around her from behind she's like not even close i do have to say Evie was putting makeup on Mal, and as we said, she's been wearing heavy makeup the whole movie, but also Mal's hair looks better than it has before. I think maybe Evie got her a hot oil treatment because that hair was damaged before. Yeah, it was really stringy, and it looks better here. Well, I mean, you would expect it to be damaged with all the harsh dyes she was obviously using on it. Mm. So Ben shows up with two helmets, and he's like, wow, you look... Like a slightly more attractive version of the person you already were for most of this movie. You look like you, except you look like you're trying, which makes me happy because it makes me think that I have a shot with you because you clearly want to please me. It's sort of like uh, in the Harry Potter movies when Hermione has her big Yule Ball reveal, except Emma Watson was already, you know, pretty, so it didn't really have the oomph it had in the... It's an unrevealing reveal. It is an unrevealing reveal. So Ben takes her on a moped ride... He takes her into the forest of Oridon so that they can have their rom-com date. Hmm. They go across a bridge. It's across a rope bridge through a canopy of trees. It's pretty nice looking, I think, out here. It's very scenic. It is very Instagram worthy. Hmm. Ben tells her that he wants to know something about her that no one else knows. So she tells him her dark secret, which is that her middle name is Bertha. What's her last name? Is it Efficent? Villain? Mal Bertha Villain? She says that her mother named her Bertha as, like, a joke to be mean, which is probably not true. I'm honest to God surprised she has a last name at all. I mean, middle name. What is her last name? Why would this work like that? It's funny when you do AUs because... You keep some stuff that only works in fake fairy tale medieval world, and then you have cars and middle names and video games. Ben tells her his middle name, which I want to deconstruct a little bit, even though I'm sure... That you're putting more thought into it than the writers did? Because his middle name is Florian. Florian. That's a very princely sounding name. As Mal points out. Now, Florian has two meanings. One is blonde haired. Which he kind of is. Which he is ish and the other one is flower which i find interesting given the whole beauty and the beast story right he's like the rose yeah yeah which i'm like if that was intentional that was a really good choice for him you know what let's let's assume it was intentional yeah so ben has taken her to an enchanted spring yes he set up a picnic there so that they can like sit by the water and look at the beautiful scenery and and eat and flirt i guess see this is the sort of thing you can only do in a fantasy tv show because if you set out a picnic and then left when you came back it would be covered in ants that is probably true i gotta say that picnic looks great it does she's he set up like there are little tarts with different berries on them oh there's a cheese and meat plant there's a charcuterie Uh, it looks good okay so in fairy tales when children are sent into the woods with, like, bread and cheese, I always just imagine, like, this delicious baguette and, like, a big chunk of, like, a really good cheese. And it's like, that sounds like a great meal to me. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly what Ben has set up for her. 
So Ben's doing the whole like first date thing. He's like, so I don't really know a ton about you outside of, you know, you're a villain. Like, do do you have any expansion on that? I mean, they literally do the first date thing where he's like, do you have any siblings? She's <laughs> like, nope, only child. He's like, only child, only lived in one place my whole life. And he's like, hey, me too. It's weird, right? She's like, we're not the same. Don't try to make it like we're the same. And he talks a little bit about how how much pressure he's feeling about the whole king thing. He's like, look, I'm 16, apparently. This is a lot of pressure on me. And I want to do well by everyone. I feel like my father's a great man, but he let a whole bunch of people down. And I want to be a good king for everyone. He also talks about individual choice and how they're not their parents and they shouldn't be shaped by the choices their parents made, even though, I mean, he is going to be king because of the choices his father made, but that aside, she does kind of check him a little. He says, you know, a crown doesn't make you a king. And she says, yeah, it kind of does. Ben then decides that the best way to make a good impression on this date is to take off his shirt. Yes, he's going to go swimming, and she and he's like, do you want to go swimming with me? And she's like, uh, no, I, I've never had a strawberry before. I'm just going to sit here and eat strawberries while you strip for me. Yeah, he shows off his abs, and he's got, like, ten, ten abs. Eight. Yeah, I w- yeah, yeah. she does tease him because his, his little board shorts that he was wearing under his outfit have crowns on them, which is adorable. <laughs> He jumps into the water. He makes like a beastly roar when he jumps in the water so that we know that you are your parents a little bit. Yes. So as Ben is swimming, Mal starts her... 90s music video? Yeah. Her weird power ballad. So they're really pushing this actress, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they were really pushing her as the musical act. She's, like, leaning up against the pillar and singing wistfully into the distance. And also, they're flashing back to earlier points in the movie. And, guys, we were just there. You don't need to remind us of what happened 30 minutes ago. It's very insulting. It is really insulting, and also they kind of don't have enough clips to support this. We literally see a clip of her getting ready for this date! And then we see Ben showing up at the beginning of this date to take her on this date. But the song is all about how she doesn't know where to go, she doesn't know what to do. She's torn between her mother and this hot guy. Yes, that is the situation. And she wants, she's like, Will you still be with me when I'm not magically brainwashing you into being with me? Interesting that she should choose to ask this at this very moment. She actually has flashbacks to the date. She flashes back to them walking over the bridge to get here. She flashes back to her starting the song. How hard up for clips were they? Honestly, it's kind of hilarious. It's really, really funny. Could have just played some of those in slow-mo if you... If you needed that many clips. I was going to say you could have just not done clips, but then it would have just been her flopping against pillars. 
Yes, because each of these clips is intercut with her flopping against a different pillar. And there's only like four pillars, so. She's flopped all the way around them. She notices that she's been singing for a while and Ben has not come up for air yet. Which is frightening. Yeah. That's, that's, especially because I don't know that she knows how to get home. Oh yeah, she probably doesn't know how to ride a moped. (laughs) Definitely not. Does she have a cell phone? Do they have Uber here in Oregon? So she jumps into the water to look for Ben. It doesn't seem like the water's that deep. Like, she's walking a little bit and then she's swimming, but I feel like the water's... Like, she could probably still be standing here. Well, she does get to a point where she theoretically can't stand, and she starts flailing about, and Ben pops up out of the water and picks her up and puts her back on the... On the dais where they were eating lunch. And then he shakes off the water like he's a dog. Because he's part beast. It's so cute. The little touches are nice. She says that she doesn't know how to swim. She jumped in to save him even though she doesn't know how to swim. And he's like, um, how do you not know how to swim? You grew up on an island. An island surrounded by a magical force bubble. Yeah, she points out, yeah, Ben, I grew up on an island That we were physically prevented from leaving by your father. And he's like, oh, that's embarrassing. Here, take this shiny rock. It's literally glowing. Yeah, it's a magic rock. You make a wish and you throw it into the water. But she's pissed. So she just like flops it into the water. He he puts his jacket over her. Like she's real honked off. I don't think he was messing with her. I think he was just swimming. I think you're right. Like... She, th- it, it seems like she thinks that he was playing a trick on her. Well, she's embarrassed, you know? She doesn't like to, to look weak, and having jumped into the water to save him makes her look weak in two different ways, because she's showing vulnerability that she likes a guy and cares about his well-being, and that she showed off a thing that she doesn't know. She doesn't know how to swim. So Ben asks her, he's like, look, I told you that I love you, and I know that's a lot. What do you, What are your feelings about me? And she says that she doesn't know if she loves him because she doesn't really know what love is because she grew up magically imprisoned on an island with villains. But Ben seems pretty cool with it. He's like... He's like, let me teach you about this thing we call love. Yeah, she goes full of the darkness. Oh, I was thinking Captain Kirk. (laughs) Yep, that that is pretty Ben. Uh, We cut back to remedial goodness where... The fairy godmother tells the kids that family day is coming up. And but their families can't come. Yes, for obvious reasons. But luckily, they set up mystical Skype. Yeah, they set up a video conference call with the parents, which raises so many questions. So did one of those agents that we saw at the beginning driving the limousine show up to like hook up internet and then set up the computer for the parents and then just left them there? That's what happened, right? Yeah, I guess. Because we know they don't have Wi-Fi. I love the parents so much. They don't know how Skype works. Well, they're parents, you know? They're doing the old people with technology thing. And then when they realize that, you know, the kids are there with the fairy godmother, they all start ragging on her. Right? They're like, yeah, these are our kids that we love that we haven't seen in forever, but we need to drag you about how you gave Cinderella a midnight curfew when she was trying to bang a prince. That's not nice. You couldn't wait until, you couldn't give her till 1 a.m. And the fairy godmother cannot take even the smallest amount of criticism, so she leaves And Maleficent's like, so how's the magic wand thing going? And Mal tells her that it's going to be at the coronation. So at the coronation, she will 
secure the wand, and then come home. And then... Cruella sees that Carlos is hanging out with a dog, and she starts freaking out. Yeah, she says she's going to turn him into earmuffs, and Carlos like, no, it's my dog, and I love him. Also, you're talking to a stuffed animal like a crazy person. What is wrong with you? Yeah. And Jafar starts laughing at Cruella for having mental issues, I guess. It's, you know, Cruella DeVille was not done well in this movie. And then they all, all the parents start yelling at each other and Jay just kind of leans over and turns the conference call off, which is great. You know what? We were saying last week that Jay didn't do anything of value in this movie and they didn't really give him anything to do, but he did the most important thing. He turned off the Skype call with their annoying parents. Also, the fairy godmother is standing literally right behind the TV. Did she not hear Maleficent ask her how the wand okay, well, thing was going? Okay, well, they were hinting about it. Maleficent was like... How's the thing? And Mal's like, I think the thing will be handled after the coronation. The fairy godmother is not good at her job. Well, yeah. Back in the boys' dorm, the villain kids are plotting how they're going to steal the wand. And also, how they're going to steal the limo, which they have to do because it has the buttons that will reactivate the bridge so they can get the wand home. Hmm. And everyone sort of... Not super on board with this at this point. No, everyone's kind of really happy with the way that their lives are here, which makes sense. Uh, everyone sort of heads out except for Evie and Mal. Mal is reading the spell book and she's memorizing the spell for how to break a love spell. And Evie's like, what you doing there? And she's like, I just, it seems like it would be too much to have Ben still in love with me when everything that goes down goes down. That's really nice. Yeah. Mal, Mal is not a villain. A villain would leave him in love with her. Evie's like, you know, you could still hook up with him afterwards. And Mal's like, I don't think that's going to work out because we're going to invade and attack. And I don't think he's going to want to go out on a date with me when I'm like pillaging his village. Which I think shows a deep misunderstanding of Ben's character. Yeah. As we will see in the sequel, Ben is really into evil people. Yeah, he is. As we've seen in this movie, although these kids are not evil, just, you know. Not even. Not not by, not even, not by any stretch of the imagination. So we have a little sadness montage. Luckily, each of the characters got a significant object to look at while they're thinking about how maybe this isn't a great idea. Yeah, Jay looks at his trophy. Carlos is looking at his dog. Evie's looking at her B-plus examination. Yeah. And then Mal's just making more cookies. I mean, spell-breaking cookies, but, you know, more cookies. And she's doing a little reprise of her, you know, song. Yes, his Will He Still Love Me After I Feed Him These Spell-Breaking Cookies song. I'm sorry, I said cookies. I believe this time it's fudge. I believe the spell-breaking thing is fudge. So cookies make you fall in love and fudge breaks the spell. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's what I learned. See how that goes down. So we open on Parents' Day and the thing we've been building up to this entire movie. Yes, yes. The kids on a at Aurora Dawn Prep have prepared a rap version of Be Our Guest in order to greet the parents arriving for Parents' Day. Ask the dishes. Yeah. They can sing, sing, sing. They can dance, dance, dance. After all, miss, this is friends. Uh-huh. And a dinner here is never, never second best. Come on. 
Go on, unfold your menu. Go on, take a glance, and then you be our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. I mean, it's ridiculous on its face. Yes. It's already ridiculous. But also, he's not... I mean, this sounds so weird, but Max, he's not serving them dinner. Yeah, they're they're just coming to a garden party. There's no context for him to be singing this. And also, like, the kids all have napkins that they're dancing with. And then they all just kind of throw the napkins on the ground. Also, this isn't France. Also, this is not France. He, he says, you know, after all, this is France, which it's not. It's Oridon. France no longer exists. Right. Beast took it over. Also, Beast and Belle are, like, dancing along to this song they... really unrestrainedly. It's embarrassing. Yeah, no, they are parent dancing. Yes, exactly. Oh, this is, this is a weird moment. Also, throughout the entire song, and I think this is why I love it, throughout the entire song, Ben is making serious sex eyes at the camera. Yes. Apparently, there is nothing Ben finds sexier or more seductive than dancing candlesticks, which I guess makes sense given his parentage. Yes, accurate. Also, he massages Doug's shoulder at one point because, you know, Ben. Yep. So, is is our thing with Ben that Ben's just horny for everyone throughout this entire movie? That's not our thing. It's the movie's thing. It's the movie's thing. We also get a shot of Carlos and Jay going to town on the chocolate fondue fountain. Yeah. Yeah. Jay sticks his tongue in it, which is gross, Jay. Other people are going to want to eat from that fountain. So... Ben is getting pictures taken with his parents, and he's like, by the way, I've got a new uh, girlfriend. And Belle starts shit-talking Audrey, which, damn, Belle. Yeah, but maybe she should have held off because if she thought Audrey was a bad match, she is not pleased that her son is showing up with Maleficent's daughter. Yeah, Belle's like, oh, God. Yeah, so no one's thrilled about this. Honestly, only Ben is thrilled about this. His parents are like, this is not great. And Mal is like, oh God, I have to eat with the parents. And Mal decides she's going to bring her friends for backup. Ben is the only one having fun here. Although uh, the other evil kids are into it. Yeah, because the other evil kids have no emotional investment in how this goes. They're just going to play croquet for a while. Yes, uh, Ben runs off with Jay to play croquet while Belle almost faints when she sees the other villain kids. Yeah. What is it? Does Disney not like Belle either? Like, she seems really also hard done by adaptations. I think she is. It's, it's weird. It's unusual. So at the croquet field, court, pitch? Hmm. Pitch sounds right. Okay, at the croquet pitch... Mal is playing croquet, which is interesting. Who taught her how to play croquet? Mm. The Queen of Hearts. Duh, of course. Obviously, Mal must have learned how to play croquet on the Isle of the Lost from the Queen of Hearts. Ooh, God, I'm looking for. I hope she's in the next movie. Oh, that would be amazing. While she is playing croquet, someone comes up to her and starts chatting with her. Someone who is later revealed to be Audrey's grandmother, Sleeping Beauty's mother. And Audrey comes up and she's like, Grandma, I'm not sure if you want to be talking to her. This is Maleficent's daughter. And... I mean, to be fair, that is awkward. Her her mother kidnapped her daughter, so, you know. Well, I mean, not kidnapped, but made it necessary for her to send her off to be raised by fairies and then put everyone in the town into a hundred-year sleep, so, you know. Awkward. 
There's this weird thing where Audrey's grandmother seems to... She thinks that Mal is Maleficent. She's like, how are you so young? Which is weird because Audrey said, this is Maleficent's daughter. And then she immediately thought it was Maleficent. So I think we're supposed to think she's old and kind of out of it. Huh, that is weird. I didn't pick that up because Ben comes up and explains to her that he's doing this program where the villain kids are living here and Sleeping Beauty's mother gets very upset that villain kids are getting to live alongside normal kids. And I thought, did the rest of the kingdom not know about this? But yeah, maybe she did know and she forgot? Yeah. So Ben's trying to smooth things over. But then Chad comes over to rile up the situation. He's like, what the fuck were you thinking, dude? Of course this is what happens when you try to have villains interact with normal people. Yeah, what happens is that... Normal people come up and start being really shitty to the villains for no reason when they're just trying to play croquet. Yeah, well, in vague fairness to Audrey's grandmother... Her daughter was kidnapped by Maleficent. She does do this whole rant, which is very clearly intended to be at Maleficent and not at Mal. She's like, I didn't get to raise my daughter because of you. Like, my daughter had to be raised by fairies. My entire kingdom was under a curse because of what you did. How can you expect us to just accept you here? Well, of course, now Mal was raised in fear and deprivation because of what her mother did, and more specifically because of what Beast did, so how is that fair? Yeah, I'm saying I would give the grandmother a break. Okay, but not Chad, who comes over and starts riling everything up. He actually kind of goes for Jay, because... Like, he, he's yelling specifically at Mal. He calls her a gold digger. Yeah, he said, he ca- well, he calls Evie a gold digger. He said that Mal clearly did something to Ben to steal Ben from Audrey. Which, okay, but you're dating Audrey now, man. I would leave that be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull on that thread. Yeah. And then Evie, because she's the best, pulls her mirror out of her bag and says, mirror, mirror in my hand, show me who's the biggest jerk in the land. And it immediately shows an image of Chad. Like, it knew what was, that mirror had her back. Yeah, so Chad lunges at Evie, but Jay, you know, blocks him. And then Evie uses this potion that she had been saving for the heist, oops, to knock Chad out. And then all hell breaks loose because the villain kids just used a potion on the hero kids and people don't like that, apparently. I do like it was in a perfume bottle. An atomizer. Yeah. And then as everything breaks up and the villain kids run away, Beast is like, I knew something like this would happen. And Ben defends them. Ben's like, this isn't their fault. And Beast is like, yeah, they can't help their nature. It's your fault for bringing them here. What an ass. Seriously, what a dick. And then all the other kids kind of move away from Ben because he's just become a pariah, I guess, even though he's still going to be your king, so maybe be a little nicer. Including Doug. What the fuck, Doug? Yeah, if anyone should be defending the villain kids, it should be Doug. He's the one who's gotten close to Evie. Yeah. The shit, dude. So Ben runs after the villain kids, and he's trying to sort of smooth things over. He tells them that... After he's coronated, everything will be okay, I assume, because he's the king and he'll just order people to be okay with stuff. And he's sorry about how things went down and he's going to try to make things better. Doug is kind of hanging back watching what happens. And then after Ben leaves, he goes up to try to talk to them. But Chad pulls him away. So he, I guess, I guess he only has enough bravery to walk up to them. But when Chad's like, oh, we don't want you to be like this, he gives in. Yeah, because now Doug's one of the cool kids, I guess. 
And then Jane comes over and says something nasty to them, which is really dumb because what? Yeah. So Jane decides that she wants to be a mean girl and then Mal undoes her hair and everyone freaks out. Yeah, because now her hair is back in a bob. The worst thing that has ever happened to anyone ever. And there's a shot of Lonnie checking her hair. Yeah, I love that. I love that Lonnie like knows what to be worried about. Lonnie's worried about her own hair. And if anything, this has just convinced Mal that it's time to go be evil. So now we get a walking in a row evil villain walk. Uh, as a few lines of Rotten to the Core play again. I don't know why they keep dropping it. It seems unnecessary. It's their it's their theme music. So we're getting ready for the coronation now. The parents are watching it on TV, which is great. Yeah, so it's being covered on television. And let's talk about who the reporter who's covering this is. Who, like, Entertainment Tonight Oradon special reporter is. Snow fucking white. Okay, Snow White is covering this. So, Snow White is an entertainment reporter now. She was a princess, and now she's an entertainment reporter. Yeah, and as we know from Doug talking about Chad, we know that a lot of people did keep their crowns post-Beast's takeover. But apparently not Snow White. Hmm. Just throwing that out there. Snow White and Beast, somehow they couldn't come to accords. Well, I I think maybe they did. Maybe Beast is like, only so many people can be royal in this new... And Snow White wasn't one of them. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Because she fucked Dopey. Yeah, I mean, that makes more sense. I was more imagining a thing where Snow White was like, Bitch, I have an Oscar! And Beast was like, yeah, me too, except mine's real. Yours was just like a special notary Oscar for being an an- for being the first ever animated film. I was actually nominated for Best Picture. They redid categories because of me! Uh, it's funny because the Academy's awful. I mean, it's just people giving each other awards. We give it more weight than we should. Hmm. Although so- I feel like less these days. I think that's true. Uh, I think as our entertainment becomes more niche and specialized, people just don't care that much. Mm. There's not a monoculture anymore. Yeah. So I would totally watch a show that is just the villain parents mystery science theatering Disney shows. Yes, that would be amazing. They're like eating popcorn and throwing it at the screen and like calling Snow White names. Yeah. The evil queen leans over to Maleficent and she's like, she's had work done, you know. And Maleficent just turns around like... Yeah, she just gives her a look. Also... Snow White takes a moment out of her coverage to talk about how hideous Jane's hair looks. Which, what the shit, Snow White? Putting aside that her hair looks perfectly fine, she just has it in a bob again with a stupid bow. Like, you're shit-talking a 15-year-old girl on TV. Weird. Very weird. The only explanation for it is that she has a beef with these royals. Mm. So we see Ben arriving to the coronation in his horse-drawn carriage with his fancy suit on it is fancy also it's weird because it looks like a military dress uniform and i guarantee you ben has not served in a military thank you i was about to say he's got like stripes and everything which i think you get for service like that's a that's a thing it's weird but uh mal is wearing an awesome fancy dress and she gives him the fudge actually you know what i think it's a cupcake yeah to eat after the coronation And he eats it immediately. And Mal freaks out like, no, don't do that because, you know, it's 
not good. And he, Ben, oh my god, I love Ben. Ben is so great here. She's like, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel fine. I think it takes a little while for anti-love potion to kick in. Yep. Ben reveals to Mal that he knew she put a spell on him. And also the spell was washed away as soon as he jumped into that enchanted pool and he just actually does love her and he didn't bring it up this this is why ben's the greatest character he no sells it he's like yeah i mean sure you put a spell on me but whatever i wanted to see where this was going and i still like you so i mean isn't it weird that you wouldn't bring that up like immediately like as soon as you got out of the lake yeah Uh, For a second, Mal thinks, like she did when she thought he was drowning, that he's just been fucking with her. She asks him if he's been faking it this whole time, and he's like, no, I wasn't faking it. I really like you. I like you so much that I didn't even care that you put me under a spell. Apparently. Yeah. Like, huh. Um, I'm sorry. I just have to bring this up. Maybe I'll drop this in later, maybe not, but... Snow White has the same hairstyle as Jane! Oh my god, she does! (laughs) The same hairstyle she was shit-talking on Jane. She even has the same stupid bow. What the hell, Snow? God, I thought we'd get away from that. But no, what the fuck, Snow? (laughs) So Snow talks about how uh, beautiful Mal looks. And mentions that the dress was designed by Evie. And the Evil Queen's like, I didn't know she could do that. It's, It's kind of a neat moment. Yeah, it's it, it ties back to the moment in part one where the kids saw the statues of their parents and realized that their parents were real people. Except here it's the evil queen realizing that her daughter is a real grown adult person who has her own talents and, and is, is going to be her own fully formed human being. Meanwhile, Maleficent is kind of honked off about the Ben Mal thing. She's like, is she using him? What's going on here? What What interest does she have in that boy? And the evil queen's like, bitter party of one. Well, I don't think she's too happy that Mal like comes out looking like a princess. Since... She, she does point that out. She's like, why is she dressed like a princess? Yeah. It but is you a... know what? It's a great dress. It is a great dress. And it honestly does have some evil themes to it, like the it high, high collar. It has a high collar, which is a very evil thing. Yeah. And Mal apologizes to uh, the beast. And he's like, I told Ben this wasn't going to be easy. I don't know why she's apologizing. Because she's the bigger person. Inside the church where Ben is going to be coronated, we see a stained glass window, which calls back to the Beauty and the Beast animated cartoon, which is a nice touch. I know this is a doll thing, but I do want to point out how every how nice everyone looks in their fancy outfits. Yeah, the costumes in this entire movie are very much, as you said, made for dolls. But as I said during part one, I do collect dolls and I kind of want all of these dolls. There's this moment where Ben, like, has to march down the aisle of the church all by himself like a lonely bride. (laughs) Except he's going to marry the kingdom instead of a person because he's about to be king and that's what it is to be king. Mm. It's basically to be married to the kingdom. And Maleficent's watching. She's like, don't be too horny. Don't blow this by getting too horny. Basically. So I guess it's the fairy godmother who does the coronation. Huh. Normally it would be like a priest or something, so okay, that makes sense. She literally takes the crown off of Beast's head and puts it on Ben's. It looks 
too big for that actor. It is too big for that actor, which is interesting because the very first time we saw Ben, he was being fitted for his coronation suit, and one of the things they did was measure his head for a crown. But why would they even do that if they were just going to take the crown off Beast's head? Seriously. So the fairy godmother takes her wand, and she's about to bless him. I don't know. She's got this speech... I don't know what the deal is with the wand. At first, since he's kneeling in front of her, I thought she was going to knight him, like, with a sword. But she holds it in front of him like he's going to swear on it. But then she does, like, tap both his shoulders with it. And as she holds up the wand to bless him, a hand comes from off screen and grabs it. Yes, and Maleficent gets very excited thinking that her daughter has done what needs to be done. A beam of light shoots out of the wand and immediately hits Villain Island. Somebody has amazing aim. Uh, I mean, I guess you just have to hit one island. I guess. But it has broken the barrier, which, amongst other things, means magic is back on Villain Island. So I guess the barrier is one of the things that was keeping magic out. Yeah, fair. So Maleficent grabs her staff and immediately bamps over to Oridon. And then we see that it was not Mal who grabbed the wand. It was Jane. Jane really wanted that magical nose job. I guess the lesson here is like, don't treat your kids like shit or else they won't steal the wand for you slash will steal the wand from you. So Mal grabs the wand from Jane because like magic's sparking out everywhere So Mal grabs it to stop it because she apparently knows how magic works better than Jane, which is good. I mean, that makes sense. And then everyone acts like Mal's got a gun. Well, I mean, essentially she does. She has a super powerful magical item. But what's weird is that it's obvious to anyone who was watching that she was just trying to calm things down. Yeah. But now she's, they're treating her like she's the one who stole it. Which is really weird. But, but it's also an important moment because Ben tells her that she needs to make a choice and have free will and decide if she wants to be good or evil because everyone should make that choice for themselves. So, like, we needed from a character standpoint to have this moment where she decides to be good, even though she kind of had already decided that. Yeah. And then she breaks down that she's like, oh, wait. We're, we're our parents' children, but that doesn't mean we're our parents. And she breaks down everyone's character growth throughout the course of this movie so far. Right. She's like, Carlos, you like animals. And Jay, you like playing on a team. And Evie, you are smart. So stop being like the dumb girl who's going to marry for privilege. Even the fairy godmother seems touched by her speech, breaking down all of her friends' characters. Yep. And... She's not going to be evil because she really wants to fuck Ben. He made her good with his dick. Fair. He does have a lot of abs. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he scrubbed her good on the washboard of his abs. So she's like, okay, now everyone, let's all put our fists into a circle and swear to be good. She's like, all right, everyone, all hands on deck. And they're like, Shazam won't come out for several years. Which you should see Shazam. Yes, it's very good. But it's weird because this isn't like a gesture they've made before. It would have made sense if they had made this gesture like during the Rotten to the Core song. Yeah, but no, I guess we're just a whole bunch of assholes standing in a circle. (laughs) I love when 
things like this happen and you're like, the whole kingdom is watching this. Yes, like a bunch of people who have no idea who you are and what your motivations are just here for this. And in a really nice moment, Ben walks over and he puts his hand in the circle too. Yeah, because he's one of them, which I love even more so in the next movie. Yeah, which is basically Ben confronts his privilege, the movie. Yeah, essentially. But this beautiful moment is interrupted by Maleficent bamfing in because, right, Jane went and fucked up the bridge. And I love this because she shows up and she says, I'm back. Like, it's such a made-for-TV movie sequel thing. Yes, it's great. Uh, She tells Mal to give her the wand, but Mal has made her choice. Too bad Maleficent wasn't there earlier to hear about that. And tosses the wand to the fairy godmother. But I guess Maleficent didn't need the wand because before the fairy godmother can cast a spell, Maleficent freezes everyone in the church, except for the villain kids. Yeah. And then it's so weird. She she starts singing a little bit of the song Mal was hallucinating to herself. And then she, she goes over to the beast and she's like, damn, I would let this happen. Yep. Then she goes and like trashes the fairy godmother and takes the wand out of her hand. And then her horns get stuck on the fairy godmother's sleeve. Which I don't think was intentional. But I'm glad they kept it in because she's like, the horns, the horns. Kristen Chenoweth is in it in this movie. She's just like eating all of the scenery and every other character except the villain kids is having to stand frozen in place pretending that they can't move. And she's like, look, I get it. He's a cute kid, but come on. We're going to be queens of the universe here. You're really going to give all that up so you can, you know, fuck the beast's kid? And Mal's like, uh, if I fucked the beast's kid, then I would be queen. Right? I thought that was the goal. And then Maleficent gets very much like Korra from Once Upon a Time and tells Mal that love is weakness. And and then Mal tells her, no, love makes you strong. And apparently it makes you strong enough that you can magic the magic wand away from Maleficent. Who, again, I must emphasize, clearly did not need the wand because she took out the fairy godmother when the fairy godmother was armed with it. But I guess now that Mal has it, like, it's a new ball game. All right, so... Each of the kids has their turn to try to stop Maleficent at this point. They really should have overwhelmed her instead of going at her one at a time, but whatever. Carlos tosses the dog at her, um, or the dog jumps out of Carlos's arms to defend Carlos against Maleficent. Which is so sweet. It's very sweet, but the dog just kind of jumps into Kristen Chenoweth's arms, and Kristen Chenoweth's like, ugh, dog breath, and she kind of just drops it. Yes. Then Jay runs up to punch her in the face. And she grabs his bicep and is like, ooh, Gaston should be jealous. Which raises so many, like, theories for side plots. Also, Maleficent, maybe don't hit on your daughter's friends when you're all magically eviscerating them. There's a lot of things wrong with with what's happening here. She basically, she just knocks him out. Like, she catches his hand, gropes him, and then knocks him out. And then she turns into a dragon because she's Maleficent. That's her move. That's her finishing move. It's interesting that she goes for Jay first. 
Like, she breathes fire at him, and then she starts flying after him. Did she think Jay was the biggest threat? Because if so, she clearly has not been watching this movie. Yeah, like, it's your daughter. You know, the one who magically pulled the fairy godmother's wand out of your hand? Yeah, but Evie steps forward and uses the magic mirror to send, like, a light blast into the dragon, which causes her to crash. Which is smart. It's like what you're supposed to do with bears. I didn't know that was what you're supposed to do with bears. Yeah, they sell these really, like, high-powered flashlights that you're supposed to use if a bear comes at you. Oh, interesting. Also, you can use them as a regular flashlight. Huh, that's smart. So, Mal starts chanting a spell at her mother. And her eyes do the weird green thing her mom's eyes did at the beginning of the movie. Right, she's doing the same intimidation thing to her mother that her mother was doing to her. And, of course, both of their eyes are glowing green. Because her mom's a dragon and because she's using magic. And her mom appears to disappear in a puff of smoke. Except not really. She's actually uh, been turned into a lizard. She shrank... Oh, God. The fairy godmother explains what happened, which is she shrank down to the size of the amount of love that was in her heart. And that's why she's a tiny purple lizard now. (laughs) She's like Tad Cooper. Oh, my God. She is like Tad Cooper. I super believe in you, Tad Cooper. (laughs) Oh, Mal gives the wand back to the fairy godmother. And I mean... Maybe pick up that lizard. Someone's going to step on that lizard. Yeah. The fairy godmother also tells them that they have all gotten an A in remedial goodness, which, yeah, I fucking hope so. I do love she unfreezes everyone and Ben was doing a beast mode thing. Yeah, so he comes like charging at them when he's unfrozen. He literally roars. Oh, but he, I like Ben because, you know, he comes out of it and he's like, oh, yay, my girlfriend saved the day. Yeah, he, he's just like, oh, oh, you took care of things? Cool. Okay. He does say, next time I'll rescue you, but in a very egalitarian way. Yeah. Ben's a good guy. Not so much a good actor, but he is the best character in the movie. I do have to say, next time he will not save the day, it will be Mal saving the day again. Yes. Ben gets kidnapped next movie. Ben gets super kidnapped. He gets kidnapped while on a rescue mission. Yep. So the fairy godmother pulls Jane to the side. She's like, I'm not mad that you nearly got everyone killed. I'm just disappointed. And look, if you are having issues, you need to talk to me. And Jane's like, but I was having issues and I did talk to you and you didn't give me any useful advice. And the fairy right? godmother's like, like, all the time. Yeah. And the fairy godmother's like, shut up. But Mal steps up and is like, you are beautiful inside and out. And... You should get validation from me since your mother's terrible at giving it. And then she acknowledges Audrey and her grandmother, Mal does. Yeah, I guess I guess now that Mal has saved them from Maleficent, they, like, hate her less. Okay, that's neat, I guess. And then someone comes and puts a glass dome over Maleficent so she doesn't get stomped on, but she also isn't going to have any oxygen, so... Uh. Eh, eh, whatever. And then we close with a dance number because it's a Disney Channel original live action movie. Of course, uh, we do.
it's Ben singing about how it's everyone's time to rise and it's their time in the spotlight and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's friends now, I guess. Well, I mean, you'd be surprised how much more you like somebody after they kill a dragon for you. Yeah. Or defeat a dragon, I guess. I guess she's not dead. Doug did not really get any resolution with the whole Evie thing. Like, I guess he's dancing with her at the end of the movie, so she's cool with the fact that he ditched her to be popular at that one point. Yeah, really, all of the villain kids should be a lot angrier at all of the good kids. Good kids. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just cool with Chad now, I guess. I mean, honestly, like, the answer right now is, hey, we all decided you're not evil. And the villain kids' responses should be... Yeah, well, go fuck yourself. But uh, I guess they want to keep going to Aurora Dawn Prep because it's much nicer than the Isle of the Lost. Also, they have legitimate magic powers here, some of them. That's true. So, yeah, this is the end. Everyone is, uh... Everyone is dancing and happy. Also, Jane is going to have a three-way with Carlos and Jay. That is what the dance implies. Huh. Although Lonnie comes after Jay, so... That's not Lonnie. Oh. That's Audrey. Huh. I guess everyone's just going to have sex with everyone. That's the end of this movie. You're assuming that people's dance partners are a stand-in for who's going to hook up with who tonight. Mm. But everyone's dancing with everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's The Descendants. That's The Descendants. Depending on your tolerance for cheese, this is a fun movie. I really enjoy this movie. I enjoy it, like, in that sweet spot between ironic and genuine. Yeah. And I'm and I'm gonna set up our Patreon so our next stretch goal is to do talk about Descendants Part Two, which I also adore and actually has some interesting discussion of what these social dynamics really mean. Yeah, they actually do kind of delve into privilege, which was not what I was expecting from a sequel to a Disney Channel original movie meant to sell dolls. Plus, if you are listening to this, you almost certainly found us through Welcome to Storybrooke, and I have to say, Hook's sexy son. Harry Hook. (laughs) Terrible name, sexy son. Yeah, so... We want to thank all of our patrons who got us to our stretch goal so that we could talk about this amazing, terrible movie. And I hope you will join us weekly for Welcome to Storybrooke. And also, when we hit our next stretch goal, I hope you'll join us again for Descendants 2. Yes, because I am ready and willing to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I had to purchase Descendants to talk about it this time, but I already own Descendants 2. All right, so I usually we say, usually we say it until next week, but... Until next time. There you are. This has been Welcome to Oridon. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. <laughs>